Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Tonight, would you open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians 4. And my title tonight is A New Approach to Healing. If you've been around us any length of time, you know that from time to time we do a lot of emphasis upon healing. I've taught from all different kinds of, ang- of angles about healing. We've got a tape series available now on the subject. Because you know what? This is part of our redemption and it's something that all of us need to have a greater understanding of and a greater experience of healing in our lives. And so I've, I have uh, been studying a lot of things about healing over the years and especially looking at the mind and body connection with what's going on. And I've looked at some things for some spiritual roots of disease. We've looked at redemption, the atonement, what the blood of Jesus has purchased and all of that. But I also have learned from some, from some other people. And one of them I want to credit is Henry Wright. And he has done a lot of extensive research into spiritual roots of diseases. And so some of the things I'm going to be sharing tonight are some things I have gleaned from him. Mm-hmm. But we're going to start right now looking with Ephesians chapter 4. And we've got several scriptures we're going to review. But let's start with verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Why has God given us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers? Not so they do all the work, but so they equip the body of Christ to do that work. Isn't that what it says? It's for equipping. It's so that saints are doing work of ministry. So the body of Christ is getting built up. And this happens until we all attain a place of being united in faith and in maturity. Now, 3 John uh, 1, 2, 3 John 2, that is, because there's only one chapter in 3 John. It says, I, beloved, I pray that in all respects you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And if you put those two scriptures together and talking about what the purpose of fivefold ministry is, this is so that the saints are equipped. This means that you are trained as well as taught, that you are empowered to do the work of ministry. That means you do the work of ministry. That means all five aspects. What are prophets good at training us all to do? Prophetic ministry, right? Prophecy. What prophets are good to teach us things like worship, to teach us things like prayer, to teach us things like dream interpretation. Prophets are good to equip us in prophetic areas. What do evangelists do? They equip us in evangelism. They equip us in reaching out and knowing how to proclaim the gospel with signs and wonders. You know, what do teachers do? They teach us to dig in, to get to roots, to be balanced in our approach to life. And so each one of the five ministries has an impartation, something that equips each one of us. So we need all five of these ministries in our lives so we wind up being whole and balanced. Isn't that right? I mean, if you hang around nobody but prophets all the time, after a while, you're going to be unbalanced. Seriously, you've got to get some good grounding. And the thing that I think lots of people have overlooked is that pastors are supposed to equip the saints for pastoral care ministry. Pastors are not just to be the ones that go to the hospitals and cry with you when you're feeling bad, but pastors are supposed to be equipping the body of Christ to minister one to another. In most churches in America, 
The pastors is the one that are running crazy, haven't got enough hours in the day to minister to the saints. You know, most churches, that's where it is. And people, they want to know, well, I want the pastor to marry us. I want the pastor to come see us in the hospital. I want the pastor to come do, pastor to come do. And what do you mean time off? They don't need time off. They only work two hours a week, right? (laughs) You know, and the way that people's attitude has been, well, the pastor, well, that's what you pay them for, right? Get up there and preach every week and pray for us and solve our problems, right? That's what you pay them for, right? That's a lot of people's attitudes toward that, and they don't understand. A pastor's job is to equip you to do the work, to equip you to do what God's called you to do. So equipping is training, teaching, and empowering. The work of ministry is all five aspects. That doesn't mean that you have to go out and be the next Catherine Kuhlman. It doesn't mean, y'all don't know who that is, or Benny Hinn. Okay, let me bring it in. doesn't mean you have to go out and be the next TV preacher. Equipping the saints for work of ministry. You may all prophesy, but you're not all going to be Bob Jones or Kim Clement, right? It's according to how God has gifted and called. But there is a prophetic dimension that needs to be developed in every last one of God's people. Just like there's a teaching dimension, a pastoral dimension, apostolic dimension. All those things need to be developed in all of us as believers. So the work of ministry, when we talk about that, it doesn't necessarily mean teaching from behind a pulpit. This also means the work of helps. You know, helps are the most, you know, the widest, you know, use of gifting is in helps. Because there are so many things that would never get done if we just relied upon pastors and teachers and prophets. I mean, come on. There's, a too, there's too much work. And like most other five-fold ministers I know of, my vision's way too big for me to do. I have to have a lot of help to do this stuff. Because there's just too much, and the need is out there is too great. So all five aspects, that includes helps. There are people, you know, every, we are called in all kinds of different unique ways. Some of us are very administrative, uh, very clerical, and sometimes you feel like that is not a spiritual calling. But I'm here to tell you, every, every ministry needs record keeping. It needs administration. We've seen some real ministries suffer because of a lack of administration. I've, I've seen some ministries, I mean, just falling apart. Finances are a mess because they never had anybody go in there and just bring some order. And sometimes in the charismatic churches, we felt like, well, the only spiritual people are the ones that work miracles, that heal, that prophesy, and stuff like that. And we've not understood that we are to be equipped in however God has gifted and called us, but in that every one of those five dimensions Bring it in together so that the body of Christ can come to a place of maturity. It says that we are to, the body of Christ is to be built up until we're all united in faith and maturity. The body of Christ is not to be torn down and ripped to shreds. I know that some people think that's what prophetic ministry is, or that's what good counseling is, it's supposed to rip you up. I've heard horrible, horrible stories of how people have been treated by people who thought they were doing the right thing by cramming, you know, legalism down somebody's throat. But you know what? The body of Christ is meant to be built up. When we go out there in the world, you've got enough enemies out there. How many of y'all been rebuked this week by coworker, boss, spouse, somebody? I had a day this week. I got rebuked from three different people in one afternoon. I mean, completely don't even know each other. And I was like, what is with this? I'm not used to getting rebuked like that, you know. 
and I felt, you know, pretty much misunderstood and felt sorry for myself a little bit. But, but you know, the truth is, is when you come here, this is the place to get healed and built up and strengthened and, yes, corrected and adjusted from time to time, but in such a way that makes you feel good about serving God, makes you feel glad that you're a Christian, all right? So we want everybody needs to be built up in a place of faith and maturity, which is another problem in the American church. There's not a whole lot of emphasis upon maturity. And we're about growing people up. And so that's how it is that sometimes you get the email, you get the phone call, you get the pull, you know, off to the side a little bit because we're going to help you grow up, you know. Growing up is, is something that we love to watch our natural children do. But I've seen some big old babies with white hair, hadn't you? 65-year-old, big old babies, having little bratty, you know, temper tantrums. And you know what? There's sometimes I've just I've seen and stuff and what some people have put up in some churches, and I thought this is just ungodly. <coughs> people just need to learn how to grow up. And so, from time to time, I'll hear a story of some, you know, something that happens in a church somewhere, and I'll be surprised sometimes that people will tolerate stuff. I I just get amazed because you know we were talking about some incident not too long ago. I forget the incident. But what we were saying amongst ourselves, we heard about this incident happening. We thought how sad that was and then thought, you know what? That never would have been tolerated in our church. Not just because I or, or Brenda would come after you or something, but because there is a culture here that we don't do stuff like that, that we love each other and build each other up and support one another, right? We don't get in there and just act up. Aren't you glad? That's what a safe church is supposed to be like. I'm all after safe and healthy. That's good. The ministry is also to include prosperity. Now, I know there's been a lot of abuses and excesses about prosperity. But the truth is, if you don't have enough money to get your needs met, you don't have enough to meet anybody else's needs. And you sure can't send anybody on a mission trip. So if you don't, want, if you don't need a lot of money, pass it my way. I've got big vision. I can find lots of things to spend it on, you know, and it'll be fun. I would love to have loads of money right now to buy a building. That sound like a good plan for anybody? I need y'all think that'd be a good, good plan, right? All right, so guess what? Prosperity. I need you to prosper. I need you to tithe and be faithful in your giving. But you know what? You, the Bible says, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging bread. But there have been too many Christians that are just barely scraping by, barely getting there. And we want to equip you so that you can prosper, not only to take you through courses like Financial Peace University, but also get through the curses that are operating in your life to break them off your finances and to teach you about tithing and giving and first fruits and all those things and just good work ethic and things like that, some things to help prosper you. You know, I really believe that if we're going to minister to the whole person, we've got to minister to their financial life as well, right? Church is not just supposed to be about you got your sins forgiven. It's supposed to deal with every aspect of your life, okay? Also, health and healing. From the verse for 3 John 2, where he says, I want you to prosper, but be in good health. Be in good health. It is not doing God any favors for God's people to be sick. God is not glorified when you've got allergies, when you've got pain in your body. God is not glorified with any of that. God is glorified when we leave those things behind at the cross, and we are healed and we are whole. And there are so many people who have bought into religious lies that said, well, God gets glory out of my sickness. No, he doesn't. He gets glory when you are healed. Yeah, because when people are healed, what do they say? 
Well, praise God. Well, glory to God. You see, he's glorified in healing, not in sickness and disease. Also, we do not condemn people for being sick. I've been around that gang of people too. People rebuke you. Well, you just don't have enough faith. Or what would you do wrong? Look, folks, everybody's sinned. There's nobody exempt from that. Nobody's got their theology 100% straight. Everybody's got areas of improvement, and we are all works in progress. So we don't criticize, judge, or look down on anybody for any kind of a physical condition going on in their life, whether it's inherited or whether it's through their own stupidity or whatever. But we're not going to judge people for that because you know what? They don't need that. They need healing. You know what? My, my example of this is Jesus. When Jesus went to heal, what did he do? He just healed them. He didn't judge them. Now, there was a time or two he told them to go and sin no more. But he did not rebuke people and criticize them for being sick. He was seeking to be a solution for the problem. So it's not only health, but it's healing. And then the word says to be in good health just as your soul prospers. Soul prosperity. This means that your emotions are healthy. That you're walking in peace. You're walking in the fruit of the Spirit. You've got a lot of love exuding out of you. You know? Emotional health. I've known a lot of Christians. They've got money in the bank. Their bodies are healthy. But they don't have any peace. And you see, that's not good enough. We've got to get you every wit whole, like the Bible says. So the scope of ministry. If we're going to be equipped by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and they're going to bring us into full ministry, that means by the time we're done, everybody is healed, everybody is delivered, everybody is prosperous, everybody is functioning in the gift and calling that God has called them to. They're all operating in the gifts of the Spirit. They all understand evangelism. They've all plugged in, and the kingdom of God is advancing. That's my goal. Everybody there. You know, they hear these little sayings, no child left behind. Well, I'm like, no Christian left behind. (laughs) You walk in the fullness of your inheritance in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, what Jesus died for you, it doesn't count. We need to walk in the fullness of that. And so I'm getting more and more passionate about some of these things, as you can probably tell, especially healing. Because I'm tired of allergies. I'm tired of watching people that love God suffering, you know, taking Claritin and all that kind of mess. You know what? I do not believe that God designed the human body to be allergic to anything in this earth. You're not designed to be allergic. You know, that's something that's perverted that's got to get changed. But I also want you to quit tolerating your allergies and quit saying, well, you know, it's just hay fever. It happens every year, every year. You need to get your faith in your healing instead of your sickness. All right? There are people, they tell themselves, I get it every year. Look, how about this is the last year? This is the last year I put up with sneezing at 6 o'clock in the morning. Anybody else sound like that sound like good to you? Good thing? Good thing? Let's, let's get our faith out there for healing, that this is stuff is going behind us. All right. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So in talking about a new approach to healing, although it's not really new because it's been in the Bible, but there's not been a whole lot of talk about this particular approach to healing. We have heard a lot about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've heard a lot about gifts of healings, gifts of miracles. We've heard a lot about 
faith confession, the words of your mouth. We've heard a lot about laying on of hands, the anointing, the power of God heal, uh, healing people. And we've heard a lot in other circles regarding nutrition and supplements and that sort of thing. But we're going to begin to look at some other overlooked aspects of healing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. We're called to be in one body together, right? One body together. Folks, we are connected one to another. What affects one affects another. And God has called us to not consider just our own circumstances, but to look upon and be concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Scoot down to verse 25. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is talking about that we are being baptized or spiritually immersed into one another's lives so that we are one. So that there is, there is an involvement with one another. You know, unity has to do with give and take. You, how many of you know, it does not mean being in the same location at the same time. You can take two cats, you can tie their tails together and throw them over a clothesline, and they are united only physically. They will try to kill each other trying to get away. Being in the same location does not mean you're in unity, all right? We know lots of people that live in the same house, but they are not in unity, isn't that right? Well, God is telling us that we need to have the same care for one another and to be immersed and involved in one another's lives so that when you hurt, I hurt, and when you rejoice, I rejoice. Right? That's how it is. Our lives are to be strengthened because we have care one for another. You know, the Bible talks about in um, Ecclesiastes, it says that um, woe to someone you know, who has who falls down doesn't have somebody to pick him back up. You know, let me tell you something, folks. We live in a very individualistic society. Isn't that true? I mean, we hear all about individualism, and we hear a lot about, don't mess with me, don't tell me anything, leave me alone, whatever. Let me tell you what, you were never intended by God to be left alone. And if you pray and act that way, one day you will be left alone. You know what? That's not fun. I know people, they have nobody in their life right now because for so long they held people at arm's length and they would not allow somebody to get involved to interchange with them. And so they got what they wanted. They got what they were building for years, isolationism. I know that all of us, every now and then, we've had it with people. It's time for vacation. As you take your day off. You go hide. You fill up the bathtub or you turn on the stereo. You do something just to have some peace and quiet. I love peace and quiet myself. Every now and then, I've had a little too much people. I love people, but every now and then, you know. But the truth is that I cannot isolate myself and neither can you. And it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or not because I'm an introvert. It doesn't matter. God's called us to have the same care one for another. And if I don't know what's going on in your life, I can't be sorry with you. I can't rejoice with you if I don't know what's going on in your life. And same thing for here. here. It was like, does somebody know what you're going through right now? Is there somebody that is caring for you that can share in your suffering but also share in your rejoicing? If not, you need to increase your circle of friends. I 
think I've told you all this before, but I realized several years ago the devil was trying to isolate me. I was having some problems that I needed some input from, from, and everybody that I went to from council was either in the hospital, out of the country, on a trip. I mean, I, anybody that I normally went to, I couldn't find them. So I knew the devil is trying to isolate me because if you get isolated, it's easy to get warped in your thinking and warped in your emotions. Isn't that true? So what I did was I determined, like, I had to expand my circle of friends. Because it, I can't have a one. Come on, when you've got six friends and all of them are all unavailable to you, it means you need a seventh. <laughs> it means you need somebody else, right? So you go out and you find somebody else. Let's look over at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 started with verse 1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Isn't that important? To restore in a spirit of gentleness. Nobody wants to come have you beat the Bible over their head, right? But to restore people in gentleness. It says, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing... He deceives himself, but each one must examine his own work, and then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another, for then each one will bear his own load. The Bible says we are to bear one one another's burdens. The goal is that people who have needs, you've got physical needs, financial needs, social needs, soulish needs, whatever kind of needs you've got, that you're in a safe and a caring environment with people who can share those needs with you. People need to find support in a caring, safe place. You know, I was talking to someone the other day. They were telling me about a church that was definitely not very safe. It was a place where they would never let a person forget they had ever sinned. I'm here to tell you, that ain't God. When we... When we have done something wrong or we are in need of help, what we need is somebody who will be gentle and come with some compassion and help share our burden, right? And so the Bible says we need to bear one another's burdens. So if you're hurting because you've got a physical condition or you're hurting financially or you're hurting in your soul or you're hurting spiritually or whatever, there needs to be a safe, caring community that can come in and share that with you so that you are not alone. God forbid anybody should be alone when they're in trouble in this church. I tell you, years and years ago, I got so upset, had a lady in our church, went off, had surgery, and never told a soul about it. I said, what is with this? How can we care for you if you don't open up and let us know what's going on in your life? You know, then we feel like we've let you down, we've let God down. You know, we feel like idiots because we didn't ask enough, I guess, you know. But it's like, sometimes, folks, It's because we have put walls up and we're not making ourselves vulnerable to other folks. But the Bible says we need to bear one another's burdens. And there I've heard people say, well, I don't want to burden anybody. I don't want to burden anybody. Well, folks, if you feel like you're being a burden, then you don't have enough support. Then find you three or four more people to help lighten that load. You know, the thing is that when your friends really care about you, They want to know when you're suffering. Isn't that right? 
Isn't that true? When you're hurting, don't your friends care about that? Don't they want to know? Even if they can't do anything about it except say, I'm sorry. Your friends want to be there to support you. And you know, sometimes you don't have to give them any answers. Sometimes you just got to listen. Sometimes people, they just need to know that somebody cares. That's all that matters. So in having the same care one for another, notice this verse it talks about if people are overtaken in a sin. Do you know that a lot of people are overtaken in sin and they won't dare tell another living soul about it? They're afraid because they don't think they're going to find acceptance. They think they're going to be judged and rebuked and condemned. But the Bible says that the body has got to come to unity and maturity, so we've got to get people healed and delivered and discipled and everything else that they need. So the work of doing care for members is to be shared among the people of God so that you don't have one person becoming overloaded. There was a time when Moses was with the children of Israel and they had come out into the wilderness. And Moses was God's answer man, right? And so all the people had their problems. So they would line up in front of Moses' tent and from sunup to sundown, he listened to people whine all day long. I don't think Moses wanted to be that kind of counselor. And he was doing this day after day after day. And finally, his father-in-law, Jethro, says to him, you know, this is not good what you're doing. You need to delegate some authority to some folks, have somebody else take over some of these problems, or it's going to be too much for you, and you're going to, wait, you're going to be worn away. He says, you can't do this any longer. But you know what? A lot of times that we expect, well, I'll just call Donna. Well, I'll just call Donna. Look, this is not a large group of people, but if all of you call me on the same day, I'm going to have one of Moses' days. <laughs> I'm going to have one of them days I'm going to be looking for somebody else, right? You know, uh, Philippians chapter 2, you've got the story of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a fellow worker with Paul. And Paul says that he was, he was longing for you all and he was distressed. He said he was sick almost to death, but God had mercy on him. He was sick because of overwork. He was overworked and overwhelmed and it almost killed him. And Paul said, you know, God had mercy on him and healed him and delivered him. I'm here to tell you, folks, people will let you kill yourself for them. And they will love you. You are so wonderful. I've had people tell me, I don't know how you do it all. Do they offer to help? No. They don't offer to help, but boy, they sure love. I can do it all. You know what, folks? People will love you as you kill yourself with overwork. And they will get mad when you take time off. I've had people get mad at me for going out of town to get ministry. Mad at me for taking vacation. Mad at me. I'm like, folks, I have to take care of myself too, you know. <laughs> so we've got to raise up people who are able to carry the load of ministering to the saints. You know, we've got some wonderful, anointed, wise people sitting in this room, these rooms. Wonderful people that are highly skilled and called by God to help meet folks' needs. That's going to bless their heart if they're able to do what God's called them to do. Isn't that right? And see, my job is to equip people to do work. It's not for me to do the work. And I can demonstrate some things about how to do the work. You know, it's like counseling. I can counsel. 
I've taken a couple of folks through the intense counseling process we do. I've done the pastoral thing. Okay, I talked to you for an hour on Tuesday afternoon. But you know what? Counseling is not my thing. After a while, I'm tired of listening to it. I mean, after a while, I just am. After a while, I'm like, you need to just quit whining, get off your butt, and go do what God said. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Part of it's, that's my temperament is kind of wired like that. You know? And, um, I mean, you all know me. I love you. I love people very much. I have cried with many over you, over the pain, the trouble that you've been in. You know that. But it's not my primary call. You know, we got people here. They will love you. They love to spend hours with you counseling. Multiple sessions to help you get healed. Call them. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, because, you know, that part of that is pastoral care. Because, you know, just so you don't have to be called to something full time, you can be equipped to where you know what to do if the situation arises itself. And it will from time to time. That's why I love to teach you guys about healing and deliverance. Because you never know when you need that stuff. But once you do, aren't you glad that you know how to do it? I tell you what, after you've cast out one devil, you go looking for the next one. Because that was fun, wasn't it? That was fun. So we're going to teach you how to do that. So you can do all that, and then they'll be calling you at midnight. Stuff. I don't know why demons just love to manifest at midnight. I don't know what's with that. But, um, well, the first full-blown deliverance I ever did that was not in a church setting was at somebody's house because a guy was manifesting, and his wife and his friend were freaking out. And so they called me. It was like 10.30 at night. And, boy, that was fun. That was just a lot of fun, you know. But you go over there, and, and it, like I said, no church service, no praise music playing, no nothing. Just walk in there with a the gift of faith and just go after it, you know. Had a lot of fun. And uh, it was really exciting because you hear stuff, but if you've never seen stuff get weird, you think, they're just making that up, aren't they? They watch too many movies on TV. That's what it is, you know. But no, the guy's eyes rolled back in the back of his head, and he growled at me and was on his hands and knees and was making all kinds of strange things. And, uh, and it, was, it was really kind of funny. You should never get scared of that stuff. Never get scared at all. It's just, it's just trying to get you to quit. That's all that when a devil manifests, it's like a bully trying to get you to quit because if you don't quit, he's evicted. And he knows that. So he tries to intimidate you and get you to back off. And I was I was dealing with this guy, I mean, I mean, he was like I said, he was growling at me, his eyes rolled back and and um and I just said, that'll be enough of that. <laughs> and I started telling that thing to leave. And then, uh, and, I, and while I'm talking to it, I'm saying, you have to leave. And I said, you came in on the breath, you got out of the breath. And he held his breath. I, I about busted gut laughing. That was just so funny to me. <laughs> I know it was supposed to be big, bad, scary demon, but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> so, so I definitely had no fear uh, that whole time. But it, it, was, it was a fun experience. What can I say? Um, it must be time to cast out devils, Brenda. That was just so much fun. Oh, they're not all like that. But every now and then you get one that likes to put on a show, but, you know, not real often. So anyway, getting back to what I was talking about. Um, some people get overworked and burned out and sick, and instead we need to train and equip more people so that more people are doing the work of ministry, right? I'm telling you, the more people that we have to train in deliverance, the more excited they are about doing deliverance. 
And they're kind of like, ooh, me, my turn, my turn, right, right? And they want to they do it because it's fun. All right, let's look at um, James 5. So in talking about all of this body ministry, bearing one another's burdens, the equipping of the body to take care of one another, we want to take care of one another without anyone experiencing burnout. Whether it's a pastor or a counselor or whomever, we don't want anybody stretched to the point to where they're just overloaded doing too much work, you know. So that means that we'd have more and more people who know how to do everything that God's called us to do. Isn't that right? Because let's face it, when everybody in the room knows how to pray the prayer of faith, you just grab the person next to you, right? Why do people go watch Benny Hinn and get in those big long lines? Because Benny's the only guy that does anything, right? That's why if you had 50 guys up there with the same ability, there'd be 50 lines, right? You see, one thing I keep trying to tell y'all is we appreciate and respect the anointing and the office that men and women are called to, but some of this is hero worship that's got to quit. Some of this is exalted above Jesus. When it comes down to it, I don't care if you talk to an angel this morning, I talk to Jesus. He outranks him, right? (laughs) You know, people get excited over the wrong stuff sometimes. And that's great. You know, Benny Hinn laid hands on you and you got healed. How about I had an encounter with the Lord in my living room and got healed, right? You see, one reason that there is body ministry is God's trying to get us out of that hero worship stuff. God bless Benny Hinn. He's doing a great work. He's helped a lot of people, okay? No criticism towards him at all. But I'm saying we're all about, we've got to get past the one-man show. We've got to get into the body of Christ doing the work of the ministry. And men and women who are highly anointed and called with powerful, amazing gifts are supposed to be leading the, leading the charge. They go first. The prophet's not the only one that prophesies. The prophet's the one that has the strongest gift and is able to bring more people in under that anointing. The prophet's the one that has the ability to have a whole room full of people prophesy because of the anointing on them, right? And then once you've been under some training by a prophet, you wind up finding your abilities have increased. I tell you what, you come to enough training around here, you can out prophesy Kim Clement according to God's gifting and calling. But on the other hand, it's by reason of use you have your skills developed. It's a matter of you doing to the best of your ability what you can, all right? Now, in James five fourteen, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church. They are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Folks, there are plenty of believers who have stood in a lot of prayer lines. They've had a lot of oil poured on their head, and they are not healed yet. We've seen people, they've gone from evangelist to evangelist, from miracle worker to miracle worker, from pastor to pastor, from prophet to prophet, whoever, and still not been healed. And these are people who believe in healing. 
people who believe in miracles, people who believe in the blood atonement. And many times these are people who have got their faith confession right. They're not cursing themselves with their own words. They're saying things like, by his stripes I was healed. He took my infirmities from me. And they're saying things like, my body is healing in Jesus' name. But they're not actually seeing anything happen. And that's a very strong point of frustration. What happens after a period of time when you are not healed? Tendency is to start blaming somebody. We blame God. Maybe God doesn't want to heal me. Maybe God doesn't really heal today. Blame the devil. Well, the devil's just too strong. Just one more thing the devil's doing. One more thing the devil's doing. Y'all don't glorify the devil, okay? He's not that big of a factor, okay? Then we start blaming ourselves. Well, I don't have enough faith. Well, I'm too sinful. I'm not worthy. I can't. I this. I'm too weak. I, I. And we look for somebody to blame for why we're not healed. And we have not understood the connection between sin and disease. We have said, well, I got born again. My sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. So I should be always, you know, I should have my healing. Should be no problem, right? Well, many times we've watched people get healed immediately, but we've also seen times of people who love God, believe in healing, and have not been healed. They have remained sick for years. Folks, we're going to have to be honest with ourselves and honest with the Word of God to begin to really look at what the Bible says about what's going on. You can't blame everything on the devil. And you can't blame everything on, you know, I didn't have enough faith. You had enough faith to get born again. That's, that's powerful right there, okay? Look what it says in James. Notice it's talking about calling for the elders. Well, we've done that. We've called. We've asked for prayer. We've, they've anointed with oil. We've done that. We've prayed the name of the Lord. We've had the prayer offered in faith. We know how to pray the prayer of faith, right? Move mountains, all that stuff. And then it says, and if he's committed sins. Sins? What sins? Verse 16 brings up sins again. Confess your sins one to another and pray so that you may be healed. There is sometimes a direct connection between confessing and repentance of sin and receiving your physical healing. How many of y'all remember the story of the paralytic that Jesus healed? And when he healed him, the Lord said to him, Go and sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. There was a connection between sin and his physical condition. Isn't that right? Otherwise, why would Jesus say, well, just go, be happy, you know? No, he said, don't sin anymore, lest something worse happens to you. We have believed in healing. We've anointed with oil. We've believed in the gifts of the Spirit. We've done everything except look for sins to confess. And I think that's just, that's just a missing element that we've had. When we're going to be praying for the sick, we do want to make sure they understand healing is in the atonement. We want to make sure they understand that we cast out demons and believe in the power gifts. And we believe in confession and, and words of faith and that sort of thing. But we also want to look at where is sin in this, in this picture? What's going on? You know, for years, my kids sometimes... They would get upset with some perceived injustice, you know. Well, how come so-and-so didn't have to blah, blah, blah? You know, y'all said that too, right? You've said it. Your kids have said it. 
How come this happened? How come that happened? I would tell my kids, I says, understand, nobody gets away with anything. You really don't. You might think you get away with something, but you really don't. You see, the Bible teaches sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. If people sow to destruction, they're going to reap destruction. I know people who are mean as a snake. They're sick too because they're sowing and reaping. A person cannot just fill themselves up with a poison of bitterness and expect to have a healthy body. It just doesn't happen. And even science has been finding connections between what's going on in a person's emotions and thought processes and what's happening in their physical bodies. So we're going to begin to take a new approach to healing, an additional approach, let's say. In addition to what we have been doing already, we're going to begin to discover the spiritual roots to our conditions. Would you like to know what was the root behind the allergies? Would you like to know what was the root behind the high blood pressure, behind the diabetes, behind the cardiovascular problems? Would you like to know, is there a root behind acne? You know that 80% of, of 80% of incurable diseases all have spiritual roots to them. Doctors will tell you most illnesses are brought about by what's going on inside of a person's soul. Louis Pasteur, y'all know Louis Pasteur? Remember him from science class one day? Remember he was the guy that, uh, from which we pasteurized milk because of the process he got, he understood some things about killing germs. And what he said was, it's not the disease germ, it's the median upon which it falls. See, everybody does not get sick. How many of you notice that? You can have two people side by side, one comes down with the flu, the one next to him doesn't. Well, he was just lucky, I guess. No, one person was more susceptible. One person had a weakened immune system. There are things that you can think about or feel that will strengthen your immune system or that will tear it down. So if most people's problems, folks, it's not the devil, it's themselves. I love you enough to tell you the truth, and I am a work in progress here because my body is also needing some adjustment. So I want us to begin to discover what is the root that's going on that's causing you this kind of problem because Jesus didn't die for this. Jesus didn't die so that we'd still be addicted to painkillers and still be addicted to, you know, antihistamines and all that kind of mess. Jesus died for us to be free from all that stuff. And we live in a Western society that tends to, we'll just call the doctor. We'll just go to the doctor and not even consider spiritual roots to things. Not consider that God has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so that y'all may prosper and be in health as your souls prosper. You know what? In the Old Testament, where were the sick people supposed to go? You took you, you went to go see the priest. You didn't go to the doctor, you went to the priest. Now, great, go to the doctor when you need to, because doctors keep people alive. Let a doctor not be, let a doctor be not the authority in your life, but an assistant as you're getting healed. Okay? Get you like a band-aid. Get you from point A to point B. Doctors will tell you they don't cure anybody. They basically just do work to try to get your body to function the way it's supposed to. Okay? So we want to look at what's going on with spiritual roots of diseases. This means, folks, 
that we take responsibility for our own lives. That means it's no more blaming your mom, your dad, your boss, your spouse, or whatever. It's taking responsibility. Some of us have got conditions that maybe are inherited. Maybe they are genetic. Well, instead of blaming the people that pass that thing down to us, we're going to take responsibility for our healing. And we're not going to blame the preacher because they prayed for us and we didn't get healed. When it comes down to it, it's your responsibility to get healed. It's not my responsibility to heal you. Isn't that right? It's your responsibility if you walk free or or not. It's my responsibility to train you and teach you the Word of God as much as, as I have the ability so that you can take responsibility for your own life. And I'm here to tell you that whatever condition you're facing in your body right now, that thing can be healed. There is no such thing as an incurable condition. We serve a miracle worker. He replaces parts that are cut out. You know what? There's no such thing as something that can't be repaired and fixed. All right. This means that also we're going to allow God to work in us. Because it's not just going to be just getting your theology straight. It means God's going to want to work on the thing that's going on inside of you. The emotional thing, the mind connection that's causing you dis-ease in your body. That's what disease means, a lack of ease in the physical body. So whatever's going on, we want God to work on us so that we can be a, be a picture of health. You see, God's, God's plan for you is not that you get healed. It's that you never get sick. That's far superior, right? Never get sick. All right. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the peace of God himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your spirit, your soul, and your body to be blameless. Not trying... Okay, I'll use myself as an example. I use myself as an example. I'm going to be very transparent here, okay? Because I don't want anybody else to feel like I'm pointing the finger at anybody else. Okay? I weigh too much. People who weigh too much, weigh too much because of something going on inside the soul. It has to do with how you feel about yourself. If you love yourself, the weight starts to come off. That's a spiritual principle. Okay? I went through, I've been through some very painful things that I wound up hating myself for. When you hate yourself, it's going to show up in your physical body. Folks, God did not design us to hate ourselves, but to love ourselves. I talked to a woman who said that she lost 37, 38 pounds, didn't change anything except started loving herself. All right? Whatever is going on inside your soul will manifest in your physical body somewhere. Those private hidden things that you're thinking about, that you're feeling, it will manifest. If not in too much weight, it'll manifest in some form of disease. All right? And if you have some things inherited from your family line, then you may have a tendency towards certain types of expression of those things in your physical body. See, we've got to be our detective in our own cases. You know, when you go see the doctor, they take out a case history. Well, then what did your great-grandma have? What did this one have, that one have? And they want to go down for what's in your family line. 
Well, you can take responsibility for what's in your family line, and you can draw a line in the sand and say it's not coming any further. And we're going to deal with what's going on inside of my own soul, what spiritual roots are going on, what curses may have been passed down, what demons may have been activated, so that we can get free and healed and hold these things. You see, there's no room for condemnation mm -hmm. here. Because you may not be one pound overweight, but I bet you there's something going on in your physical body right now. If nothing else, there's, you know, there are minor things, headaches, backaches, menstrual cramps, things that are going on inside people's bodies that lots of time we think it's just normal, it's no big deal. But I'm telling you what, if it's not healing, if it's not wholeness, it's not ours. And we should not settle and tolerate those things, okay? Sanctification. The Bible says here in 1 Thessalonians, the God of peace sanctify you entirely. That has to do with the process of becoming whole. God wants you to be whole spiritually, soulishly, and physically. So we're going to work on, we're going to work on discovering what's going on inside of us and doing the work that's necessary to get those things changed and healed and delivered. Someone asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment. Remember what he said? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your body, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? These are the two greatest commandments. Sickness and disease comes from a lack of love. It comes from being separated from God. If you have not loved God with all that's within you and not loved his word with all that's within you, you've cut yourself off from his healing life source. And sickness can enter into your body because you're, you are separated from God's life. If you do not love yourself, you are separated from the love of God towards yourself, it's going to show up in your physical body. If you're in strife with another person, if you've got bitterness and unforgiveness towards another person, that can also be a hindrance because it's not loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And these things can be a problem for you receiving your healing. It's a... The curse of disease comes with a failure to love. And so therefore, that's why it's so important that we receive an infusion of God's love so we can be healed and it can easily flow out of us. As I was telling you all last week, sometimes we're all concerned about, ooh, I've got to love God, I've got to love God. No, you've got to receive God's love so you can release that to somebody else. I need more of God's love in my life. I mean, I know in my head that God loves me, don't you? Haven't we read that in the Bible? I know in my head God loves me. Sometimes I really feel it emotionally that God loves me. But the times when I don't feel good about myself, when I don't, when I don't like what I said or I did, you know, that's a place where I need God's love. You see, one of the problems with being a high choleric, a high D personality is we have standards way up here, impossible to meet. I cannot meet the standards I place for myself. It's impossible. So when you don't meet standards, what do you tell yourself? Well, you probably aren't very kind or forgiving to yourself, right? Well, when you are not kind or forgiving to yourself, you're not walking in love towards yourself. And what's happening to your physical body is you're being opened up for sickness and disease and problems there. You see, that's why we got to, what he talks about in Galatians, about to treat people with kindness and gentleness, what we're going to wind up doing, folks, is we're going to do some more teaching and training, but we're going to raise up pastoral care teams. 
You know how we've got prophetic teams, we've got dream interpretation teams, we've got counseling teams. We're going to have pastoral care teams so that when you've got sickness and disease going on, not only do they know how to pray the prayer of faith, not only do they know how to tap into the power of God, but they're going to help you, not as your judge, not as your critic, but help you say, let's discover the root how this thing got into you so that you can repent from it, renounce it, and walk away from it. And then help support you as you learn a new way of living. See, that's the aspect we've left out of healing, is dealing with what's going on inside the soul. So we're going to train. We're going to train people. We're going to do some, I'm going to do a lot more teaching on this, and then we're going to do some very practical things. This type of, of ministry is not counseling. We're not going to sit there and listen to people's problems all day long. We're going to be doing detective work and get down to what is the root. The root to allergies is fear. The root to high blood pressure is fear about tomorrow. Okay? There are specific roots to things that we're going to play detective, get in there, find out what the root is, and so that the person can repent from it and walk free from it. And we're talking prayer ministry, not counseling. So everybody that doesn't want to counsel, that's what I'm saying, okay? And, once, and, and then to have somebody help you, you know, get free, get healed, and get delivered. It's, it's helping people help themselves. You know, the pastoral care teams are not going to be responsible for your healing. They're responsible to help you. Find out what's going on inside of you. Responsible to pray with you. But your healing is your responsibility. There are some things, folks, sometimes people want you to do everything for them. You know, come over here, you know, pray for me and cast my demons out so I'll be fine. Well, that's fine to a point. But we've got to deal with how come you got those demons. There's got to be a walking out process, Right? We want to know why is it you've had allergies for the last 15 years? Or how come, like some people, you started with a hay fever, then you add to that, now you're allergic to cats, now you're allergic to dogs, now you're allergic to dust, now you're allergic to this, and then you have whole people who are locked up inside of their apartment with windows taped and everything because they're allergic to everything. What's going on that causes a person to increase in allergies like that? That's a stronghold of the devil. Remember I told y'all last week, the devil will set you up. He will set you up with fear, with bitterness, so that you wind up sick. One of the things that Henry Wright says that I think is really important that we'll be teaching on some more later and go into depth about. He says, you cannot afford to take someone else's sin into your body. It will make you sick. If someone else sins against you, they hurt you, they reject you, they do whatever, you, can, you have to separate that person from what they did. Because if you take on that sin, you bring that unforgiveness, that bitterness, everything right into your body, it will make you sick. So for your own health's sake, you cannot take another person's sin. And that's the thing that we're going to begin to learn how to do. That when people sin against us, we don't take that sin into ourselves. I knew this years and years ago. Years and years and years ago, I learned that when I had a fight with my husband, I wound up with a bad cold seven to ten days later. Every time. 
I'm telling you, I told her myself. You could tell I had a fight because, you know, <laughs> here I was, running nose and everything. And I, I mean, I knew that 20 years ago. And there are, th- there are things like that, folks. We're reaping things we're sowing. And the devil has set us up because we've been ignorant of these things. We have not known them, even though the Bible said, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. As I said, I'm not after condemnation. I'm after healing. I think that everybody who is facing any kind of a physical challenge right now, I think you'd appreciate knowing what the root of it was, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to know so that you could do something about it? Would it be okay if it was a little bit embarrassing to you? I mean, so you could get healed? Sure. But it's not going to be embarrassing when you recognize everybody else in the room has got something too. Oh, come on. Jesus was the only perfect person. I guarantee you, everybody in this room has got something that needs fixing. And I already told you part of mine. Do we feel bad about each other? No. We're, we love each other. That's why we're doing that compassionate, gentle, bear one another burdens thing, okay? So that you come here, it's safe. We've not got people on a high horse, critical, looking down at you sick person. But instead, you've got fellow travelers, people who are saying, all right, I want to help you to this, through this too. I relate to what you're saying. We're going to help you get free. The Bible says in Hebrews 5.14, solid food is for the mature who because of practice had their senses discerned, trained to discern between good and evil. As we start learning about our own issues, what's going on with us, that's where the training starts, right? It's getting yourself straightened out. One thing that we have said here, you will not be a counselor unless you have been counseled. You will not minister deliverance unless you have been delivered because that's the way it works, right? So the first thing is, ooh, not I got to go fix them. But, ooh, no, i got to fix me. And that's the attitude that we're all going to have, is we're going to work on our own stuff, okay? As we deal with our own issues and we begin to overcome strongholds, it's going to make us much more powerful when ministering to somebody else. Much more powerful. The last scripture I want to read to you is 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 to 26. It says, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Folks, I really hope that you hear my heart in this. I don't want anybody to shy away, feel condemned, feel embarrassed, or anything. My heart is for you all to be healthy and strong and overcome. And some of us have been dealt some things, just inherited, some things, accidents. I mean, some things, it wasn't really, you know, we had these things from childhood. It wasn't like you were an adult and you knew the Word of God when the devil came up to you. It was like these things happened to us when we were vulnerable, when we were weak, we were been traumatized, when we were hurt. That's when the devil got in because he takes advantage wherever he can. So we're not, we're not looking to be anything but kind and compassionate. 
and helpful and to bear your burden so that you're not having to deal with this thing all by yourself over and over. I believe we're going to see a dramatic increase in healings and miracles. We've already seen quite a few. But I believe that this is going to be a much more, more full, integrated type of healing ministry and it's body ministry. And when we all, and we're going to have people that you know you are called by God to do this. And you're going to be the ones that that's what, you don't care about being on the worship team. You don't care about being on the prophetic team. But boy, you want to do this thing. So we'll, we'll hook you up. As much as your schedule will allow. You can't get burned out and overworked, right? But we'll hook you up because you know what? God has given some people such, such a pastoral heart of compassion. This is exactly what they want to do. They are not only they care about people's emotional pain, but they care about their physical condition too. So let's let them work. Let's train them, equip them so they can do it. I went over, I went over a few weeks ago. When, since we're all family here, we've talked about it. When um, Cindy had had the bleeding a few weeks ago. And so, naturally, we were concerned about that, and we pray and believe God and all that. But I, I did some research to find out some possible roots of some things that might be going on to cause that kind of condition. And so I went over and I spent a little while with both Dennis and Cindy, and we sat and we talked for a bit, and we covered a lot of ground, just went and covered as much as we could possibly think that might possibly relate, you know, based upon... The, the framework of what we were given to work with. And so when, when we left and then also then just prayed for healing, for things to be adjusted, to be done as they were supposed to be done, and so didn't particularly have any big, spectacular, dramatic, nothing. It was just you go through and just deal with the roots. That's all we did was we dealt with the roots. And I asked them how they felt. They said they both felt a little freer, felt a little better, and then went to see the doctor. It was the next day and had the good report from the doctor, you know, the placenta was in the right place, all this kind of stuff. You know what? That's what we want to do is hook it up to where you are trained and you can go to somebody's house and sit there with them for a couple of hours maybe and just go through what possible things are there, pray, and just watch God work. I tell you what, that beats paying copay and going to the doctor any day, right? That beats prescription medicines. Now, I will say this, as I often have said, if you are on medication right now, please stay on your medication until your doctor takes you off. Please don't think one prayer does it. You need to let your doctor who assigned that to you take you off of it. Sometimes Christians get in trouble doing that stuff. The, pro- the thing is, when your body no longer responds to or needs the medication, your doctor will, res- will recognize that and will take you off. Reduce your dosage. We've watched sometimes people get healed. Every time they go back, their dosage is reduced, reduced reduced, reduced, but we let the doctor tell you to take it off, okay? So, what I want us to do right now is just take a few minutes. I realize I've just thrown a lot of stuff out there at you, but we're going to be taking some time to develop all these principles, and over, uh, probably some over the summer, I'll be getting some uh, specific research done, I'll be asking you for what are the specific conditions that you are facing in your body and do some research so I've got some possible roots for you to look at. Wouldn't that be nice? So then you can have that, and then we can begin to work on whatever's going on. This is the year for our healing, folks. This is the year for our wholeness.
The devil loses. We win. We win. And we are not going to judge, criticize, or condemn anybody. Absolutely not. Can we just close our eyes for a few moments now? And As I said earlier, disease comes from dis-ease. Something going on inside. So I want us to just kind of look in your heart right now and look for failures to love. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now that you would bring up the trouble spots that are in our souls right now. God, how has it that we have, we have not loved you with all our heart, our soul, and our strength? Or the places where we've, we've been half-hearted or we've backed off. Father, by the, by the Holy Spirit, would you bring up things to us right now that we can confess and repent to you? Father, we repent. We confess, Lord, the sins of apathy. We confess, Lord, the sins of loving other things more than you. We confess, Lord, not loving your word, but priding our own opinion above it. So, Lord God, we confess and we repent for our failure to love you. Father God, for the places where we have failed to love ourselves. We have not treated ourselves with kindness or forgiveness, but we have been critical, we've been harsh. We have at times hated and despised our behavior, hated the way that we have responded to situations. We've rebuked ourselves, judged ourselves, and we've placed too high standards for ourselves. We've not been kind or forgiving to ourselves. We've failed to love us. So, Father, right now I ask you to forgive us for failing to love ourselves. I ask you, Lord, to give us the grace to be kind and forgiving to ourselves, to treat ourselves with compassion in every place where we have not measured up. And, Father, for failure to love others, You said we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. In places where we have been cold, we've been in strife, we've been in unforgiveness and bitterness. We've not treated people with kindness. We've been rude. We've taken family members for granted and spoken to them harshly instead of with courtesy. We've not been kind and forgiving. We failed to love. So, Father, I ask you to forgive us. Father, we confess our sins of failure to love. If there are specific things the Lord speaks to you, just go ahead and whisper those to Him. We confess sins, Lord, of failure to love. Father God, we forgive ourselves. We forgive the people who hurt us, who wounded us, who didn't treat us right. Those who tempted us to sin. Father, we forgive them. And Father, we renounce all sin of unlove. We renounce, Lord, unkindness and unforgiveness and bitterness. In Jesus' name, I command evil spirits that have come in because of these things to leave now. 
I command evil spirits associated with unforgiveness, with bitterness, with failure to love, with hatred. I command those spirits to leave in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that you would make us every whit whole. Father, if we confess our sins, we want to be healed. Father, I ask you, Lord, to give us the grace to even be able to begin to confess to friends and family things that we need to, to clear the air, to make things right. And Father, I pray, Lord, for healing to begin afresh in each one of us. Father, in Jesus' name, I say that allergies have no place in us. I say that sickness and disease has no place in us. Pain has no place in us in Jesus' name. And Father, I command healing to begin to flow through our bodies from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Lord God, we receive your love. It's not that we loved you, but that you loved us. So Father God, right now we receive your love, that you have cleansed us, you've forgiven us from our sin. And Father, we open our hearts up to you, and we allow ourselves to be loved by you. That, Lord God, you want to show us compassion. You want to show us kindness, not judgment, but mercy. And, Father, I ask you, Lord, to, in the unfolding days and weeks ahead, that you begin to teach us and instruct us, Lord, and show us how we've been causing problems for ourselves. Places, Lord God, that we have opened the door and we have begun to reap things in our physical bodies. Lord, we, we do not judge ourselves, we do not condemn ourselves. But we are kind and compassionate to ourselves. But God, we want to be instructed as wise children. So Lord, we take responsibility. Would you say this with me? Father, I take responsibility. For my own life, for my own physical condition, for the state of my soul, the state of my emotions, and the condition of my spirit. I want to be whole. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. Holy Spirit, do a deep work within me. And bring me to a new level of healing and divine health. For this is my inheritance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, I expect to hear some good reports. Yes, ma'am, let's hear it. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what I want to hear. Good reports like that all the time. That things are getting better. You know? Hallelujah. I'm excited. Y'all, I mean, I've said this a lot. The devil's in trouble. Oh, he's really in trouble now. 
Because it's not just casting out devils and working miracles. It's sin getting repented from. It's lives getting adjusted and healed. Amen. Amen. Well, hug three or four Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15858, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.